Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. I'm Pex. And I'm Abigail. So for today's weekend update, we actually got a big laundry list of news to get through. I think that's one of the uh, things whenever we switch to fortnightly or probably monthly in this case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the first piece of news is that Gwenverse number one is headed to a second printing on May 4th. So I'm thinking, did we do this? Did our advocation for Gwenverse number one pre-orders make a second printing? Mm-hmm. My headcanon about real things that are re- that are really happening in reality is that, yes, it was us. The cynical part of me is saying that it's a Gwen number one. Chances are it's going to get a second printing. I don't think there's been any Gwen launches at number one that have ever not gotten a second printing. Even the Ghost Spider 2019 number one, which was like just carrying on the last comic like from the month before, that got a second printing, um, even though the numbers were pretty low. It's not it's not unheard of. That said, this is good news. I would be worried if there wasn't a second printing. So I'm glad to hear this. It's good to hear. We'll, we'll get a cool variant out of it. So that's always fun. Yeah, I'd like to think that maybe this is because of us. That's the story I'm going with it, and I'm sticking with it. The Ghost Spider Groupies did this. Yeah, that's the official headcanon. Yeah, um, uh, yeah absolutely. And then up next, there's been a Gwen sighting in the Infinity comic on Marvel Unlimited that titled Spider-Verse Unlimited number two. Yes. Gwen appears in there as a supporting character. She's got way more dialogue this time as opposed yes. to the measly one or two from the last issue. Yeah. Yeah. So she kind of had like one of those like background. This is the multiverse of spiders appearances from the last issue. But, but in this particular one, we're getting a lot of dialogue. Look, she's she's a supporting character here. She's 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 got characterizations. She's making choices. Um, I think if they carry on with this, this series, uh, the Spider Verse Unlimited series, is a definite. We're definitely going to be doing it on this podcast. I think. Well, only on the stuff that Gwen appears in, or mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, well, definitely where she's the main character, but also um, where even if she is supporting. That she's got way more dialogue than than just that measly role in number one. Absolutely, I I really do think that after last remains, the bar is on the floor. If it's a Gwen appearance, it's a Gwen appearance. We're reading it. Um, so, um, yeah, we're gonna go with that. I think uh, next, even though technically this isn't Ghost Spider, but it's still Gwen Stacy relevant. The mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy twenty twenty miniseries that was canceled after two issues. It's been removed from Marvel's missing in action list. So meaning numbers three, four, and five will probably be resolicited sometime soon. Let's go, let's go. I'm I'm happy about this, actually. I will say uh the stuff that Gage and, and Nork were doing in those first two issues was fun. It was nice. And also crucially giving Gwen six one six like a proper personality outside of Peter Parker. Like is a good thing like it's it's a night and it all it would make for a nice base to work from for like gwen characterizations going forward i think a lot of gwen stuff ends up like borrowing from like mj or 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 whoever um like when she gets adapted because there's not a huge amount of substance there in the original comics um especially with regards to like what she does outside of peter parker so with this like we've got a lot of new stuff we've got a lot of like 
interesting things to know about who Gwen is and who Gwen 616 is. And um, it was a real shame for this comic to get delayed. Like it was a, it was a, it was a real sad thing that that happened. Um, and it's, and it really was sad for all of the missing in action comics at the time, really. Um, so it's always a pleasure to see a missing, a missing in action comic come back from the, from the, the dead. Because yeah, in this mini's case, all of the issues were done. It's just that Crystal Gage and Todd Nock needed the green light from Marvel to uh, resolicit it again. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it, yeah, it, it was caught in limbo. But but yeah, like those issues were done, and and yeah, I think we'll probably we'll probably do this series on on the podcast. Well, it's Gwen adjacent, and you know, without her, we wouldn't have Ghost Spider. Yeah, I I feel like yeah. I think we we might, yeah. Although I do have to keep in mind that, like, when I read this uh, someday, uh, I have to remember that this was not a kindred origin story like I thought it was gonna be. It's not. That would have been that would have been wild, but alas, it was not to be. No, I'm thinking uh, no. maybe editorial had something to do with kindred's identity because. Um, it was even though the evidence was uh, purely circumstantial, this did seem like a kindred origin story. I mean, it would have been. I mean, I I see the vision within the Nick Spencer Amazing Spider-Man run. It maybe would have been a jump t- for then this to be about that as well, if that makes sense. I think it was only because well, one of the clues that I had was in the uh, final issue of the uh, solicit. It said that uh, Gwen was going to go up against Fisk. And remember, during at the beginning of Nick Spencer's run, uh, Kindred confronted Fisk and then made him bow to him because um, that Kindred was Gabriel at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a tough one to crack. I do get the sense that like Nick Spencer probably went to Marvel and gave them a few like ideas and like what he wanted to do, but was only allowed to do what, what, what we ended up getting so yeah well at least the uh, positive coming out of that is confirmation that norman and gwen never banged yeah we still got that we, we that's that yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep <laughs> this, uh, moving down the list um yeah, there's unfortunately gwen verse number three and four we're gonna have to wait a, just a little bit longer than that because <laughs> yeah. number three it's been delayed from may 18th to june 15 and number four june 29 to july 6 although it's not that big of a jump for number four but it still feels like it yeah um so it's it's just um yeah we're definitely we're definitely covered for episodes a little bit further into the future than perhaps we anticipated but but yeah um i i'm kind of fine with this i'm i'm okay with them delaying it making sure they can get it all done the last thing i kind of want from especially from a mini series is for like an artist to get so taxed by deadlines that just aren't necessary um and like them having to have backup artists in it like that always peeves me slightly because um it's not an ongoing they don't they don't have to have it released every month at the same time they can push it back a month and they'll you know it won't affect sales in the same way it's it's really it'll be fine it'll be fine and and i'm 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 glad you know when i see a delay to a book i'm always like slightly relieved uh in the sense that like they're accommodating something in in the background there you know 
I think in this case, it's because of paper shortages, because I also noticed a month-long delays in Venom Lethal Protector, the main Venom title, and Carnage. Interesting. I think there's just just the supply chain overall, especially with the comics industry, which is not like it, it's been pretty it's pretty fragile when it comes to these kinds of big like things which happen. Um, is that there's there's not a huge amount of redundancy. Whenever something goes off, the whole industry gets affected very very easily, and you know it's not it's not uncommon to see things like this happen. Yeah, because you know, um, we understand that you know, um, paper needs to go elsewhere, and you know, it's not like we can just pull paper out of our asses and print stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's, uh, yeah. That said, Marvel could could get better paper. I mean, I, I mean, I've been reading some DC books lately on paper, and I've been like, they're nice. They feel good. They the good quality, and then I notice my Marvel comics like deteriorating whenever like the air touches them, <laughs> and and I'm like Marvel Marvel could be making they could do with some sturdier paper. I I think some sturdier issues there because they they fall apart way too easily. Like I think I like the paper texture of I think the most recent thing I can think of is uh the texture of uh the floppy for King and Black number one. Okay, I haven't. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I remember now. I remember now. Yeah, like they they had a slightly nicer paper quality for those issues, and and uh, yeah, they they should do that more often. Like sometimes DC will give a single issue like plastic covers if they're feeling it. Like I, it's honestly, I it's Marvel. Marvel are the exce- exception here. I'm not, I'm saying DC, but also like Image, Boom, any of the other comic houses, right? That you can think of. Marvel are like just the one doing really weird paper, like. It's one of those things. Uh, yeah, it depends on the supplier. Yeah, they need a better supplier, better trees. How do you make trees better? I don't know. Um, Groot, plant food, sunlight, <laughs> you know. You, I just science. Well, whatever they're using on Planet X, Groot's home planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever DC got from Groot. One thing they have in common, James Gunn. Mm-hmm. James Gunn. James Gunn is making the trees good. Okay, that's what we're going with. Okay, I think before we uh, uh, go off the deep end to end things on a happier note for Week One update, we got the preview for Gwenverse number two, which is going to be released next week. Yes, it looks interesting. I want to read the full thing. Um, I'm still somewhat concerned about the the, the Samantha Wilson erasure for Earth sixty five. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but yeah, I don't think she was erased. I think this is still probably around the time where she went missing for seventy five years, and then uh, this version of Gwen is just her successor. Yeah, I I I hope that there is some kind of acknowledgement there. Um, I will say having having Gwen Verine and Captain Gwen America beef is is they're like they're gonna fight, and I'm looking forward to that. That looks that looks fun, and uh, I like to see how um. Uh, Gwen, well, Gwen Vereen here, like she's representing Canada. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we all we. I mean, every superhero has the weakness, so um, you know, one of those things. Yeah, but I'm pretty interested <laughs> to see what exactly the beef is going on between Cap and Wolverine here, because it says in the solicit that Cap is out for revenge against her. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, like the the dialogue from Gwen Verine indicates like she's got like an ideological disagreement with Cap. Uh, that was 
like 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 is kind of upset that Cap chose to be a super soldier. I I don't know. I guess we'll see how it pans out. Um, I I I'm really I'm a, I'm a, I'm taking a see how it goes approach to the 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 Gwenverse series because I did enjoy that first issue, but but obviously there's a lot of continuity stuff that like is being uh, left on the cutting room floor with with ruthless um, regard. So we'll we'll see how it goes but do you think this version of gwen vereen is gonna smoke and drink just like classic logan maybe i hope i hope she has some kind of vice because i know that the rule for peter parker is that you can't uh show him having a beer Mm -hmm. you can't i I remember that one list which went around which like you can't peter parker can only do evil things if he's wearing the symbiote suit um he can't kiss men there's like there's like a list of things which went around for like the notes for film studios and i was like that's a that's a shame but if gwen can have a beer i think that's pretty that's like oh that's fine yeah like gwen has been shown in a bar before i think yeah, during Most Wanted, I think that was issue number, uh, was it two or three? Most yeah, I, f- I feel like I feel like Gwen's kind of she's not. I think I think what it is is because Sp- Spider Man is is Marvel's biggest I- IP. They have some corporate rules around him. They probably they won't have that for Spider Gwen. Now Gwen can just do whatever she wants. Yeah, but yeah. With that said, I think that's pretty much it for Week One update today. Yeah, it was a big, big week of end up there. We took a few tangents there, maybe. Well, it was a laundry list, so yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Should we get into a uh, today's episode, which I'm gonna tease? Um, it's gonna be a little bit different from what we usually do today. Absolutely. Um, so I think this might be the first comic we have read here where Gwen doesn't have a speaking role. No, she makes a few sporadic cameos here and there in the forms of flashbacks or visions, but mm. nope, she's not here. Yeah, she's not she's not talking much. So, um this this really is a big deviation, but the reason we wanted to do this because uh, on the last episode we read uh Spider-Gwen Gwen verse number 1, and that showcased uh, a character called Spider-Zero. Spider-Zero is very cool. Uh she sort of flits around in the multiverse, does lots of cool things, sort of often saving the day, stop and collapse whatever whatever. Um the first appearance of Spider Zero is in um, Spider Verse. This is this is her debut kind of series, and while it kind of focuses on Miles, um, uh, Spider Zero is kind of like the runner-up with like speaking roles and things to do. So we're going to get into all of that. We're going to talk about all things Spider Zero and what happens with this series. Yeah, and when we synopsize, it might seem all over the place because this is an anthology series. Yeah, like every issue is well, I say every issue is different. It's different artist at least, and most of them kind of are written, written with like a focus on a different character from yeah. the multiverse. Now the first one kind of focuses on Miles, and then and then it, they they kind of start finding a new pl- spot in the multiverse to focus on. Like there's one about SPDR, there's one about Spider uh, Slinger, the Web Slinger, whatever his name is, the Wild West one. Uh, there's a Spider Noir one, like they kind of, they kind of Spider Man. There was a Spider Man one. Uh, they they hit a few different beats, right? Yeah, and uh, there's a whole laundry list of creators here. So, uh, Jed McKay, he's the main writer of this series. He but he only did issues one, three, and six. Uh, Ryan North did number two. Taron Killam, yes, the very same Taron Killam from Saturday Night Live, wrote number four. 
and Christus Gage wrote number five. Yes. Um, and and I, I also think one of the things to acknowledge is that there's a lot of um, spider sonas, like fans have sent in like their art of their like spider sona, quote unquote, right? With a pitch. Oh, yeah. Marvel contacted all of these fans to uh, use the spider sonas that they made inspired from Into the Spider-Verse. Right. And in the last issue, all of these spiders appear as part of the end fight. Um, so there's a good, like, couple of dozen, right, creators, technically speaking, who contribute those characters. Yeah, well, 18 of them were created for the book, but um, in the actual story itself, I think only 9 or 10 of them were used in canon. Yeah, yeah, it checks out. But there was also a whole laundry list of uh, the art, too, because obviously with being in an anthology, all of the art is different. So in number one, all of the art was done by Juan Forgary, Stacey Lee, Art Adams, James Heron, Sheldon Vela, and Dyke Ruan. Uh, Perry Perez did number two. Let's go. Let's go. Dyke Ruan did again, did number three. Juan Gideon did number four. Uh, Juan, uh, I'm I'm probably gonna butcher this, but Juan Ferreira did number five, and Zay Carlos did the final issue. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of art here. A lot of art. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. particularly like Perry Perry's work. Yeah, he just finished Spider Woman. I know, I know. R.I.P. to the Spider Woman comic. But he is moving on to Iron Cat. R.I.P. to the Spider Woman comic. Iron Cat's gonna be good. I'm willing it to be good. Once we find out who it is, so at least he's um at least a uh, uh, Perry Perry is uh, gonna be like Spider adjacent. Yeah, I I hope I hope that that artist gets work until the end of his days of wanting it because he is a very good artist. Yeah, and very good at fight scenes and. The character's expressions and stuff like just he hits all the right notes and like it's unabashedly comic booky like yeah it's a, it's a yeah i think everybody should be drawing like perry perry i don't think that but everybody should be drawing like perry perry uh but not but not everybody but a lot of people should be just as long as your art isn't atrocious unlike some people right i'm not gonna name names but i think some people know who they are yeah we don't want to say greg land no no we would never want to do that because um but if greg land ever drew on a gwen book um i would be conflicted <laughs> because do i stick around do i stick around just to, just for the story um i would i would stick around to fight greg land personally <laughs> you fight greg land yep yep just single combat over whether or not he gets to draw a spider gwen comic that that would be it Oh, I well, um, well, I don't think they're probably gonna let him touch Gwen, so it's probably gonna be fine. Like, yeah, yeah. well, on an interior anyway, because he only touches Gwen on the covers. There is that, and I will say that, like, long term, don't know if Greg Land could could do a Spider Gwen comic. Just like, just the deadlines. Well, right now he's busy in the uh, the newly announced All Out Avengers. The what? The what? Oh no! Okay. All Out Avengers. It's a five-issue mini, and he's doing interiors on it. I hadn't heard about that. Okay. But uh, yeah, Greg Land is going to be doing art on that series, and the writer is going to be uh, Derek Landy. 
Is that happening in canon? I think it is. Oh boy. Should we just get into the synopsis before we get depressed? Sorry, sorry. I got completely sidetracked looking at that. Oh my days. Okay, all right. Let's do the synopsis. Um, Before every episode, we do a synopsis uh, about what we're reading. Uh, Obviously, we recommend to read the comic that we're reading today, which is Spider-Verse from 2019. There's a few Spider-Verse titles. Uh, This one is sometimes marketed as Spider-Verse Spider-Zero because of it debuting Spider-Zero. It's six issues long. Um, This synopsis covers all of them. Again, we recommend you read it on Marvel Unlimited, Comixology, uh, from your local comic book store. trade paperback however you obtained this comic uh, before listening to this podcast but we do this synopsis to get everybody on the same page to get everybody with their memories jogged and also because it's exciting you know we're reading the comic it's, it's fun it's cool like comics it makes the world go round. well it makes our world go round mm-hmm. exactly exactly okay so uh, should we start the synopsis yes Okay, so after defeating the supervillain 8-Ball, Miles Morales has his spider sense triggered by a mysterious voice calling out to him. Calling themselves Spider-Zero, the voice fires a web line onto Miles, launching him through the web of life and destiny. He visits various realities with different spider totems before winding up on Earth-138, home to Spider-Punk, expressing relief towards seeing a familiar face. While fighting the Universal Church of Truth, Spider-Punk asks how Miles ended up on his Earth when the web was supposed to be destroyed. Miles, sharing the belief until he tells him about Spider-Zero. They defeat the church, and Miles is later teleported to Spider-Zero's location. Arriving at Planet Spider on Earth 51778, Miles is welcomed by Takuya Yamashiro, the totem of this reality, and inquires about Spider-Zero. Takuya breaks into song praising Spider-Zero, much to Miles' confusion, thinking he's Spider-Zero, but a young lady from behind informs Miles that she's Spider-Zero. She pleads for his help in saving the web, Miles asking if it was supposed to be gone, but Zero teleports the both of them away. They arrive on Loomworld, where Zero shows Miles that the web has been recreated. She tells him that after it was destroyed, Spiderling, Annie Parker, recreated it since she was the pattern maker, and Zero was designated as the new Master Weaver. However, Annie has gone missing, and the web has been corrupted. She explains that as the new generation, they are responsible for keeping the recreated web in check. Convinced, Miles asks Spider-Zero where they should start, Zero replying with, everywhere. On Earth 3123, home of the spider-powered Aunt May, Spider-Ma'am, she walks with Uncle Ben and Peter Parker as the latter explains his theories about the multiverse. He jokes that there might even be a universe where the three of them are evil and decide to come to their Earth to kill them, which May dismisses. Speaking of the devil, the three evil variants step out of an interdimensional portal, the variant Spider-Man sporting a carnage symbiote. Miles arrives on the scene and assists Spider-Man in fighting Carnage and her family. As the two catch up with each other, an evil Miles counterpart from Carnage's reality arrives and incapacitates them. Miles and May get a second win to fight back against the variants, asking Peter if he has a plan to stop them. He posits that if they, along with the alternate Spider-Mams across the multiverse web shoots at the same specific location, they can open a portal to send the villains back home. 
Spotting the heart logo on a cafe, May and Miles, along with the other Spider-Mams, shoot their webs towards it to open the portal, but it starts to shrink. Carnage mocks May for her attempt, but she is cut off by Peter, who instructs Ben to also use their web shooters to join May and Miles. After doing so, the portal reopens and the variants are sent back home. Parting waves of Spider-Mam, Miles takes his leave to travel to the next world in need of his help. Arriving on Earth 14512, home of Penny Parker, Miles and Penny are being chased by an unknown villain while her Uncle Ben provides mission support. He urges them to rescue Daredevil before it's too late, but he realizes that Daredevil is serving as the villain's bait when someone hacks into his comms. The villain catches up to the spiders, damaging the mech and forcing Penny to reboot. She orders Miles to go rescue Daredevil while the assailant reveals himself to be Craven the Hunter. Displaying no interest in fighting a child, Craven tells Miles to leave, but he decides to fight Craven instead. Ben expresses disbelief at Craven's presence since he's listed as deceased, but the intruder says otherwise, Ben recognizing the voice as Red Diamond. Penny gets her mech back online, telling Miles to take the med kit and save Daredevil while she deals with Craven. As Miles issues medical treatment to Daredevil, Ben converses with Red Diamond, revealing himself to be the presumed deceased Nathan Essex of the Weapon 6 facility. Essex reveals that although the facility burned down, he went underground to continue the program by enhancing and mind-controlling criminals. He wanted revenge on Ben for having his funding cut by the government in favor of the SPDR project, so he sent Craven to eliminate Penny. Penny decides to reveal herself to Craven, knowing that he won't harm a child, which leaves the hunter stunned before a camouflage Miles dispatches him. Enraged by Craven's defeat, Essex threatens to send more assassins after Penny, prompting Ben to shut off his communications. Miles is later taken to the Wild Western Earth 31913, meeting up with the webslinger who had just thwarted a train robbery and his horse Widow, who is also spider-powered. Webslinger remains guarded about his personality, cynical about the world, and does not let Miles know his identity. A distressed Spanish-speaking girl from a nearby Mexican village finds the two camping out and tells them a group of bandits who keep taking all their food and money, even taking hostages. Webslinger and Widow lead the bandits to some water, where Miles uses his venom blast to electrify the liquid in a big display, scaring off all the goons and their horses except for their leader, the Scorpion. The villain successfully strikes at Webslinger using his chains coated in Deathstalker Venom. While Scorpion gloats, Widow kicks out with his hind legs and takes him out cleanly. Miles reacts quickly and sucks the Venom out of the Webslinger's wound, earning his trust and knowing his secret identity. The last we saw of Spider-Man Noir, Peter Parker of Earth 90214, he was murdered at the hands of the resurrected inheritors at Spider-Geddon. However, his spider-god brought him back via the web cocoon back to his old reality. He no longer works as a journalist, instead as a private eye now. Miles, still jumping from reality to reality trying to find Annie May, finds Noir and catches him up with the situation, and asks after Noir's spider-god idol to see if it could help. Noir doesn't have it, though, and the two need to start chasing leads to see where it's gone. To Miles' dismay, Noir ends up violently threatening and interrogating Ox and Montana, finding out that they sold it onto Madame Sturm, a Nazi who owns a blimp flying over New York. 
Despite protests from Hitler, Sturm went ahead and used the idol to empower herself, combining it with her technology and preferred insect, bees, to become Madame Swarm. The two spiders grab the idol and confront her, but are quickly overwhelmed and have to pull back. First checking to see that there was no one left on board, Miles unleashes a massive venom blast to ignite the blimp's hydrogen, downing the whole aircraft. Madame Swarm is defeated, and Miles is able to leave with the spider idol to the next reality. Spider Zero has found Annie Mae and gathered a group of spiders to get her back. The idol acted as an antenna for Zero's abilities, allowing her to locate Annie Mae caught in the web itself, in the tangle. The knotted strands of the web form a primitive consciousness, the tangle, but finds itself in pain and summons monsters from the multiverse to drive back the spiders. While the two forces collide, Miles and Zero focus on untying the tangle. Zero connects with the tangle, trying to reach out to it and get it to relax. She finds it hurting and trying to protect Annie Mae. It flashes Zero back to the end of her world and the loss of her family, but she uses that similar pain to form a connection with the tangle, allowing Miles to climb in and find an unconscious Annie Mae. The newly returned pattern maker sends the attacking monsters back to their realities and pulls Zero back from the tangle. Zero comments that the Tangle wasn't evil, but was just scared, in pain, and lonely. Miles and Annie may comfort her, saying that this is why spider people of all kinds are needed to help. That's it. That's our, uh, that's our synopsis. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty long-winded if you thought about it. But, hey, it's an anthology. It's kind of what you expect. Yeah, I think, I think they covered a lot of ground with this, with this miniseries, and I'm kind of glad they did. Um, I'm, I'm glad that they could say, I wish they could, they could kind of do an ongoing with this, you know, like this is the same kind of concept, which was used for the edge of Spider-Verse thing, which produced the, um, uh, which produced the original Spider-Gwen issue, right? Like this is, this, this is the kind of comic concepts, which gave us Spider-Gwen. Um, and I feel like they could just, they could just do one of these all the time. I think it was, it was called Web Warriors. Yeah, well, Web Warriors was a thing. Um, we've had we've had two edge of comics, right? Um, and I honestly, I do think that they could do, you know, and, and obviously there was this, but you know, I, I I think they could kind of they they should kind of do something like it was a bit of a return to what Web Warriors was doing, really. It's it, which is which is to sort of try and have uh, like a, a regular anyway a comic kind of like regularly set within the Spider Verse. Because because what we keep getting are these comics which come in and make like big sweeping changes to the status quo, uh, but don't just give us kind of like fun, interesting anthology stories using the Spider Verse, which I think is kind of where it's it's at its strongest, if that makes sense. I think that's what um, Marvel Unlimited is doing right now with their anthology comics because, um, well, even though it's only two issues of Spider Verse Unlimited, it does seem like. An anthology because the first one was just completely disconnected from the second one yeah i don't know if maybe it was a bit of setup and we'll get like a more consistent continuity but yeah i do really like this comic concept of there being a spider-verse of lots of different spider totems that all are very different uh, but but all have this shared love of great power and great responsibility and that they will team up to get together to make sure that this kind of multiversal connection that they have is maintained like i like that as a concept and i think it's it's a really rich one 
Um, I, I do think a lot of aspects of the multiverse have played out, but the reason that like it is so popular is because the Spider-Verse stuff is quite compelling. Like that concept is quite compelling with the spider totems specifically. Um, and I, and I don't think that's something we should leave dormant. Um, and I do think this is, I mean, overall it's a pretty strong series. Um, especially a couple of the issues are quite good. Um, so it, it, yeah, it turned out really well, I think. Well, with Across the Spider-Verse coming out this October, I'm kind of assuming that there might be some sort of mini or probably pushing things and ongoing just to coincide with Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Yeah, I hope so, because like I definitely don't think Zeb Wells is going to be doing any Spider-Verse stuff in the Amazing Spider-Man comics. Um, Gwenverse will have ended by the time Across the Spider-Verse comes out and yeah i i don't know i i we, we kind of do need a comic and i will say the presence of a spider-verse or spider-verse adjacent comic right is gonna like allow for more gwen appearances without warranting her having a full-on going like like they wouldn't just leave this character on the side you know without you know like they'd yeah. still they'd still want to use it right if they had a spider-verse comic yeah, but Gwen placed second on the Hugos. I think that more than enough warrants her for an ongoing. I hope so, but but uh, you know, I I don't know if that's the kind of score that that like Marvel are looking at when they green light stuff. But it really will depend. I I will be interested to see what Solicitors is saying like towards the end of Gwenverse to see what sales are like for this particular miniseries. But I, I do think it's embarrassing, really, that Marvel essentially got an award for a comic that they cancelled, didn't finish, and have made a, a new series for the character that doesn't acknowledge any of it, and actually aren't giving Sean and Maguire new comics right now, to the best of our knowledge. Like, Maguire isn't writing any new, uh, at least there's nothing nothing in the solicits for, for new Maguire comics, which is a real shame that, that the, Hugos, the Hugos were able to acknowledge all of this. But but that like Marvel wasn't, you know, like I think I think it is a shame that like, comics just it's just kind of fallen by the wayside, really. No. But there was this one tweet that she uh, put out where uh, even though it might have been just um, a one off, but she said that she was working on a licensed comic, but she couldn't contact her editor because it was the weekend. Yeah, I saw that as well. And like, I hope I hope one of two things they have given her another Spider-Gwen comic. Actually, no, three things. They've given her an X book. Or they gave her they give her a My Little Pony comic. I feel like Sean and Maguire would love to write a My Little Pony comic. I think Are they still doing they, those? I don't know if they are, but they should they should they should just let Sean and Maguire make one. I feel like that would make her day. Um yeah. But um but something funny about um one of the tweets last week, or I think it was just earlier this week, yet Tim Silly t- tweeted out something about um the best way to get new readers to uh, notice Spider-Gwen is to uh, make a TV show about her, an animated TV show about her targeted at 7 to 10 year olds. Is that what he said? 7 to 10 year olds? Yeah. Well, targeted. Oh, man. At least it would get like brand new readers focusing their attention on Gwen, but me personally, I want the TV fourteen version. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Do you think he's saying that as a joke, or does he genuinely know about something? I, I think he, I think he just meant that as a joke because he does have a daughter, but um, his daughter is only like th- um, uh, two, yeah, two or three. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, it would be very cool if that happened. I would worry so much about whether or not they would like mess up the adaptation and like convince a generation of kids that Spider-Gwen's actually a cop or something. I don't know. But other than that, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd 
yeah, uh, th- that would be something that would pay a lot of attention to. Yeah, but uh, yeah, remember, I would still personally prefer the TV fourteen version of Ghost Spider. TV fourteen, uh, Ghost Spider. They can they can do the um the the whole like death of Peter Parker because of how brutal she was. Like and like like key parts of her origin story without having to sanitize them. You know. Well, she said herself, "Death loves Gwen Stacy." They can go heavy on the death in the TV fourteen version. Yeah, exactly. But um, was that too much of a tangent from what we're really supposed to be talking about? You know what it is? It's because it's because we've been away from the recording studio for for a couple. Of, I think this is probably the longest it's been. Between, so we're we're kind of, we're kind of vibrating a bit here. We're kind of we're kind of going all over the place, which is okay. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, should we uh, um, refocus on uh, like our individual thoughts for the characters? Yeah, so uh, this series is definitely a Miles Morales series. This is a Miles Morales comic. They've sent him flying through the multiverse, as they often do, to fix something or another. And actually, a specific part of this is that he's actually stepping up in place of Peter as a kind of newer, younger legacy I kind of think that that was a, a little bit of a diss at Peter because uh, Miles asks Zero, why can't they just ask Peter for help? And she's like, because we're the new generation. This is our problem. And it kind of yeah. seems like in that subtext, it seems like, uh, remember what Gwen said, when Peter Parker shows up, things tend to become all about him. Yeah. Honestly, I think this has to be the first Spider-Verse comic we've had where Peter really hasn't been very visible insofar as normally what happens when we get like a Spider-Verse event is it's kind of like 50% different spiders from across the multiverse and 50% Peter Parker, but he's got six arms, Peter Parker, but he's very grim dark, Peter Parker, but he's very grim dark, Peter Parker, but he's very grim dark and from the future. Um, and that's kind of like... It's kind of always been how it how it goes, but with this we have obviously we have Spider Man Noir. They were setting up that mini series, but they mostly kind of steer away from that image of it being like fifty Peter Park, uh, fifty Peter Parkers, and like fifty non Peter Parkers. Like they 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 really make an effort to diversify out the kinds of and even like the shapes of the of the different spider totems we get. We get different species, different like like a spider monster and all of this. Yeah. And and yeah. and it it creates probably in my opinion the most interesting um and diverse bunch of Spider-Verse characters we've had. And they they, they make it a, a kind of a core part of what they're trying to say about what Spider-Man should mean, what Spider-Folks should mean, as opposed to... I think this is supposed to uh, reinforce the message that anyone can wear the mask. Absolutely, like it's keeping in line with that. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and I like how they use Miles with that. Like, Miles is, is kind of stepping up and he's enjoying it and he's having a good time with it and he's, he's forming... Uh, community with these uh other people in the multiverse which is which is really nice but um but for his status as being part of the new generation is that just because of his age or because he's carrying on peter's legacy probably a little bit of both i will say he does actively seem to be quite young like spider zero as well and anime like they're also quite they're even younger than him like they are like right is, is am i wrong in saying that well, Annie's at least 16. Uh, Miles would have been, um, I think Miles would have been 17 at the time because even though this was during the Ahmed run, he didn't, I don't think he celebrated his 18th birthday yet. And then yeah. he commented that Zero is much younger than him. 
Yeah, so you get you I mean I mean they're all teenagers, right? Which I think was the point that was being made there, right? Yeah. But I'm thinking like a, would Anya qualify or no, just because she's in college? I think I think she would qualify, but like they keep forgetting that she exists, so um they they should probably fix that part first and put her in a comic <laughs> so they can remember. Well, she was in Black Widow before that got cancelled last week. R.I.P. Black Widow. Yeah, Marvel, Marvel, when uh, Dude Bro character does mediocre, oh, we'll give you 10 miniseries. Uh, Marvel, when woman character does very, very well. Uh, maybe it's we're kind of tight with the amount of issues we have at the moment. Yeah. Were there any other, other younger spiders in Miles Zero and Annie, or is it just the three of them? Penny Park is pretty young. But um, they didn't want to use her because she's got other things going on. She was she was there, right? Penny Parker was there. Oh no, I'm talking about like being um one of the new guardians of the web. Uh right, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I feel like honestly, I do feel like Spider-Verse here is setting up something that's like just kind of been yet to have been used. I don't know if they had another comic in mind to release after this, but they haven't. And really, the only thing that has has provided any kind of sequel to this is Gwenverse, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um. And also, there's whatever's going on with Miles in, in the current Miles Morales Spider-Man comic. Um. Yeah. He is doing multiverse stuff. Is he doing that guardian role that's spoken about of here? I don't read the book from, but from what I've seen in the message boards and on the on the timeline, he's traveling the multiverse to find his uh, lost uncle Aaron. And then winds up in Spider Smasher's world. Okay. Yeah, I um, I I don't know. I guess I guess uh, it's one of those things. But I um. But yeah. I'm just still wrapping around my head uh, during the plot how the web got sick again, like just like with the first time during Web Warriors. Um, do you think the story would have played out differently, or maybe just a little bit of the same, but maybe? same but different if they just called an octavia auto to fix it again maybe but i think like the first one was trying to make a point um maybe more like they were kind of wantonly using that technology to the detriment of the web that was kind of what was going on with web warriors whereas here it's a bit different they've they've done they're kind of doing the work like they're repairing it they're creating new connections and they're doing it in a way which is more conscious they're just it's just gone wrong and they're struggling to like adapt quick enough and 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 like connect with each other literally like it is a kind of metaphor right the web is a metaphor for these different people becoming friends with each other yeah i think that's what a lot of it comes down to like um, wait wouldn't octavia be another kid or would she be slightly older than 18 she was on the young avengers so it's possible but i always got the impression she was a little bit older so probably in her uh, mid-20s at the least yeah I, I i i had the thought that she was an adult uh, so that's kind of what I assumed. Mid to late twenties. Yeah. But uh oh yeah, how I listed how um Miles has other variants, although one was very minor and the other one was uh secondary or tertiary antagonistic. Well, anyway, you know the uh, Miles from Carnageized Spider Man's reality. Yeah, that kind of threw me a little bit. They like they have this whole bit where like Miles is like, "I'm one of a kind. I'm the only Miles Morales," and they're like, "Actually, no. There's an evil Miles Morales." And I was like, "Okay," um, and I, yeah, it was, it was kind of out of nowhere. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a weird way of doing that. And they <laughs> they don't explain why his Miles is evil, but 
I think that's just because uh, in Carnage's reality, that's probably where everybody is evil. Everybody's just coming out the womb evil. Evil babies, evil <laughs> old people. Evil, no, like, everybody's evil. It's, it's, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was a choice. Um, yep. And his, and his and if you notice the color of his costume, it's inverted from Miles's usual costume. Yeah, I will say that you could tell it was a Miles Morales Spider Man and not like a Peter Parker Spider Man purely because his dress sense was good. Like it, it was a good character design, and on that alone. Well, Carnage explicitly says Miles. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But with Carnage, does it seem like that there is a version of Null in um, uh, Carnage May's reality just because it seems like there was a spiral on her forehead? Yeah, that would explain it. I mean, I mean, at the same time, I do think this was this was being made around the same time as Absolute Carnage. Like they were releasing these these issues and it was just kind of like like Perry Perry was looking at what he could draw for the character and kind of just liked the carnage spiral on the forehead look and just kind of went with that. Um, but, but yeah, it could also be indicative of that. Like Spider-Man with the carnage thing was more specifically corrupted by like carnage or null, uh, through that whole, whatever you call that process. So what I'm thinking, what at some point did, did Spider-Man in that reality get infected by the carnage symbiote and then null took advantage? Possibly. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued as to what happened there. I, I, I will say I'm, I'm definitely more interested to see what they wanted to do with that story at the end of it, because yeah. um, they have Peter hold on to the carnage symbiote at the end. And obviously this is the Spider-Man tasked with Looking after the baby inheritors. Yeah, remember the baby inheritors? Uh, they're all human. They don't have to eat spider totems anymore. They can have Taco Bell and stuff. Yeah, there's, there's all of that which kind of happened. And, and I wonder, like, what's going on with the Carnage symbiote there? What will happen with the inheritors if, if somebody gets infected by the Carnage symbiote, etc., etc.? But wait, but if all the three of them were out of the house, who was babysitting them? Yeah, maybe. I, I, I kind of got that vibe. Because, uh, yeah, the three of them went out, well, mostly May went out to get some yarn to create boots for them. That was adorable. Yeah, that was adorable. I like that. But who's babysitting them? Um, I, yeah, that's a good question. That That is, that is a concern. That is a worry. Well, I think, that, well, the Watsons are next door. Maybe um, they could have babysat them. Let's hope so. There's hope there's somebody looking after those babies, because if they got out, it'd be trouble. Well, they're not vampires anymore. They're normal human babies who can have Taco Bell when they grow up. Yep, very normal. Not vampires anymore. It's it's not reassuring enough, I don't think, long term for me, personally. I think they're going to bring them back somehow. But uh, with Carnage May, like what I found really funny was that even though she was possessed by this evil symbiote, she still talks like an elderly lady. Yeah, no, I, they they do a really good job, I think, with the internal dialogue. You can you can still tell it's her. Yeah, well, Ryan North he did write Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Yeah, I haven't read that. Is it is it good? Uh, I haven't read that either, but I heard that it's humorous. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's it's, it's more of a funny comic that one. Yeah. And it lasted 30-plus issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. Like, maybe if Squirrel Girl had stepped in to fight Thanos in the MCU, uh, Infinity War and Endgame would have gone a totally different way. Definitely would have gone a better way, I think. Like, um, Squirrel Girl just shows up and then punches him out. 
Yeah, yeah, or one of the squirrels from Squirrel Girl punches Thanos out. Or she just summons the squirrels to uh, crawl on top of Thanos, just like what she did to Doctor Doom in her first appearance. Yeah, something like that. Another thing I liked about Spider-Man was this this whole thing where literally they just believed so earnestly that shooting the web at the love heart would work and and it did and i just love that moment it's it's yeah. so earnest and so cheesy i love it yeah. it's brilliant yeah a little bit cliche but it's very heartwarming because i think that's the constant for aunt may's across the multiverse they help and care about other people but mostly they love other people absolutely yeah it's making a really nice point there i think yeah, and all of these different variants of Spider-Man, you saw all of the different costumes. One of them was wearing a ghost spider costume. Yeah, I saw there was a, there is a ghost spider Spider-Man. I'm very interested in whatever's going on there. That's... So what's her story? Who did she kill? Exactly, exactly. But yeah, it's um, overall I am... Um was very intrigued about the spider-man story i feel like there's a really in like particularly the way that she interacts with her very alive uncle ben and very alive peter parker and and how they all kind of uh affect each other and how this they're, they're like a little spider crew i like that she leaves her chin visible to make a point about age and youth um yeah it's a really nice little comic, and, and particularly Perry Perez's art is very much the high point of this series. Very good in this issue. Much recommend. Yep. Uh, should we circle back to Spider Zero because we kind of jumped from uh, May to Miles? Yeah, and I will say that like they kind of just kind of threw Spider Zero in. Like they were just like clearly they wanted Spider Zero to be a big new character the way they introduced her and like and and set things up. But she doesn't get a lot of speaking roles no. at least for the middle issues, you know. I think yeah. that's a problem. I think Jed McKay just wanted a new character that he could just uh, throw in there to play a role later because um I actually met him at a convention a few weeks ago, and when I talked to him about what was it like writing Spider-Verse, he said that he found Miles pretty hard to write. Yeah, um, I think a lot of writers um, tend to, um, and I, I think this is a problem with like the way Bendis maybe set Miles up was as kind of the new youthful Peter of the Ultimate Universe and and kind of didn't give him enough voice, especially enough perspective from, from where he's coming from and such. And he's gotten that over time more so. And, you know, like, especially within the Spider-Verse, that was a really good adaptation. I, I think that, like, what they find for Miles is somebody who is willing to make these new connections and, 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 and willing to, to, like, draw on like these different ways of, of, you know, like building up the web here. I, I don't know. I feel like that is his kind of lane. Like that's well, his kind of thing. I like that as a characterization. Yeah. Well, I think in fairness, um, after a writer finishes a character defining run, it's kind of going to be pretty hard to top that until you find your footing. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, and again, I think the problem is that it's just, there wasn't enough definition there. Yeah. But I think going back to uh, Spider-Zero, which I think Jed McKay just wanted to create just because, um, mm -hmm. well, she's made the new Master Weaver here just because, well, Karn's dead. He he was killed by Verna during Spider-Geddon. And I'm guessing since no one uh, wanted to step up to be the Master Weaver, she was the only one who wanted to do it. 
Yeah, I, and and I think like Carnage kind of comes out of nowhere, maybe a, a little bit at the start, but we we have a bit more like backstory kind of retroactively added in later on. Um, one of the things that kind of comes out is that like her world collapsed, she doesn't have a world, and she's trying to sort of like build up the multiverse in its absence, and she feels a lot of guilt for that. I think it, that's actually why um her code name is Spider Zero in the first place because her home was destroyed, and even though she travels a lot of multiverses, uh, she doesn't consider any one of them to be home. Yeah, which is which is kind of really sad, um, but makes for a very compelling Master Weaver. Um, and I'm very and I you know I'm very interested interested to see how Seely uses Zero in in Gwenverse, and I hope that Spider Zero gets proper comic book issues like i think this is a really interesting character concept but hasn't had really much play if any um she's had an interesting role in this comic series um and she's got an interesting role in spider gwen gwenverse but she hasn't had a lot to do particularly i think she she needs more character choices more moments where she can she can have those real character development moments because because when she is having those moments in this comic like at the end where she's like sacrificing herself to reach out to the tangle and allow Annie made to be rescued all of that that's all very interesting it's very compelling stuff and she's willing to do it she's willing to sacrifice to help others feel less lonely and i and i think that is a is a is is very uniquely compelling angle for somebody whose job is being a master weaver weaver over the web of life and destiny but i'm just hoping that she doesn't turn into a karn 2.0 where uh Let's face it, Karn was practically mission control for the Web Warriors. Yeah, Karn felt kind of out of touch. Karn wasn't really a proper spider totem either. He didn't he didn't have that human touch, which Spider Zero does. And I think Spider Zero feels a lot more human, a lot more like emotional, which I think is in a good way, in a good sense, very much in touch with the people around her. And, and I like that as an angle. I think that really works for a Master Weaver, you know? Yeah, yeah. The only similarities that she has to Karn are his title and and his powers, which she also wields. Yeah, but n- not the uh, spider totem absorption part. I think just the uh, the magical powers. Not the inheritor powers. Well, not that we know of, because we don't know her entire backstory of when she got bitten or how she got these magical powers. Right. That's fair. Yeah. But um. Who else do we have here? Um, well, there's a little bit of Penny in here. Yeah, we got uh, we we have this is this is what the third this is the third SPDR issue. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I I think so. Yeah, yeah, because there was the one in um, yeah, Edge of Spider Verse, and then she got one in Edge of Spider Geddon, which is where her story picks up. Yeah, um, and uh, I I think this is a really interesting issue. Honestly, I think this might be my favorite one. Just this is really intense, high stakes action throughout, and, and it really builds. And I like this kind of cyberpunk reality that they have set up. I think it's it's really um, it's really fun. I I, re- I really wish it, there was more issues within the SPDR. Uh, well, especially because this is quite a popular character, has been adapted, um, and has had only three comic book issues. Like you you blink your eyes, that's as many Peter Parker comics has been made. 
in that second. <laughs> I think uh, because who created her? Gerard Way. I think it kind of mm-hmm. depends on what Gerard Way wants to do with her or if uh, if Jed McKay wants to pick her up. Yeah, but like Gerard Way hasn't even like written any past that first issue. Am I right in saying that? I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I forgot if he was the one who also wrote Edge of Spider-Geddon. I don't think he was. Uh, I'm just going to have a quick look-see to see who wrote Edge of Spider-Geddon number two. Okay. Oh, he co-wrote it. Okay, who is? Lonnie Nodler and Zach Thompson. Okay. I feel like I recognize those names. I can't recall them, though. Well, Zach Thompson, the only thing I can think of was uh, he wrote Web of Venom, The Good Son. Yeah, that was good. I liked that comic. I thought that was pretty good. But the uh, canonicity of that comic was kind of ambiguous because it kind of contradicted the events of Venom Island. Yeah, maybe contradicted a couple of things, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good nonetheless, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was the last thing that Gerard Way was doing involving Penny. Yeah. But I think you could tell that uh, like this was picking up from Edge of Spider-Geddon number two was because uh, the girl just lost her Aunt May. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's kind of has a real tragic kind of feel to all of it, which I think really makes the vibe land, you know? Because the story of how she lost her Aunt May, it's kind of a uh, kind of a long story. I, do we have time for this? Um, If you want to relate it, go for it. Okay, so uh, Penny had this classmate who operated a mech suit that was based off of Venom, but then the mech suit started to gain sentience and then started to assimilate her classmate. So her Aunt May had to uh, fly into the mech to fix the problem manually. But when the dust was settled, her classmate and her aunt were gone and all in their place was just a bunch of green tendrils. That's the TLDR version. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Um... I see, I see. That's okay. All right, noted. Yeah, May's practically gone. Yeah, that's kind of sad. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, the, like, and this is, I think, something which was missed in the Into the Spider Verse adaptation. We spoke about it a bit during that episode is that it doesn't quite get SPDR's vibe or, like, kind of general characterizations. And that tragic edge, like, that dark edge is completely missing. Well, I think the only edge part of her was uh, when she kept saying, don't talk about me like I'm not here. Yeah. Yeah, which is not not really SPDR's struggle, you know? Yeah, I think it's just because of her young age, she has to uh, keep proving herself that she's more than capable of being SPDR. Right. And also prove that she's not her father because uh, the reason why these enemies go after her in the first place is because uh, they think that she's her father. Oh, right. Yeah, I, 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 it's going to be a pretty problematic issue to keep coming up. Yeah, it, yeah. it's um, just like with Craven, because Craven thought that uh, Penny was her father, but then when Penny stepped outside that suit, he just stopped. Yeah, maybe she should just try that more often. I know it's dangerous, but like, how many villains would be defeated if you just revealed to them that like your only choice is either to beat up a child or get arrested, you know? Well, it was because Craven had a code that he doesn't hunt children. But then I think you made that tweet, remember, about in the MCU about how uh, villains will kill children. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's ironic, really. Craven's got some honor because, uh, well, he said it himself, he doesn't want to fight a child. You know, he just told Miles to leave him be. Yep. Kind of a more private approach. 
Yeah, because when Penny stepped outside that suit, Craven's just like, "What?" Yeah, completely, completely threw him, and 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 like, I do think it's interesting that he has a code, even though he is like a cold mercenary and all of that. But uh, I think another interesting thing with Penny here is that well, she's friends with Daredevil. Yeah, is that the first time we've seen Daredevil in this reality? Uh, hold on. Oh no, Daredevil has appeared before. Oh, I've just I'm just being forgetful then, I suppose. Yeah, his first appearance was Edge of Spider Verse number five. All oh, right, okay, yeah, I've just forgotten it then. In fairness, it was a long time ago, but it did say that in that issue, uh, the two of them teamed up to uh, take down, uh, Mysterio. Yeah, I need to re- I need to read some more. I need to read that. I, I maybe I'm missing it. Um, but yeah, no, like overall, I really like the Penny Parker issue. I think it's really good, and I just love the stakes that they keep throughout it. Like it's very intense. Um, and I love that, like, questioning over whether any of it is still worth it at the end by um, Uncle Ben there. I thought I was, yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, that's the one I wanted to see more of the most out of all the different ones they covered here. So what, the next time that Penny's story continues, is she going to have to fight off all of these villains that Mr. Sinister sends her way? Yeah, literally setting up a Sinister Six and, like, doing it in a completely low-key way. Mr. Sinister, Sinister Six? Yeah, yeah, I think it would work. It, the Sinister Six name would actually make sense if Mr. Sinister was running it, unlike when Dr. Octopus runs it, because he's not even, like, outright evil enough for it, you know? Whereas Mr. Sinister's just using his name. Is it going to be called Mr. Sinister Sinister Six or Mr. Sinister's Six? That's a really good question, and I'm going to leave it to editorial to hold a three-hour meeting arguing over it. <laughs> It's just like uh, from what I've heard of the Big Bang Theory. Um, if Man Bat wears a Batman costume, is he Man Bat Batman or Batman Man Bat? These are the real questions. These are the real questions right here. I think let's move on to the next Spider Web Slinger. Really cool. He's very cool. I think I think he's he's fun. I like the uh, I like the guns that are also webs. That's great. Yeah, they don't shoot bullets. It's just webs. They don't. This isn't a Spider-Man noir situation. He's not killing people. But the thing with the horse is so cool. I love the horse. The horse makes the 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 bit where he's like, "I'm hiding the horse's identity with this mask." Love that. Perfect. No notes. But don't all horses look alike? There's no need for Widow's mask. Perhaps not to other horses. Perhaps, perhaps, I imagine if you are familiar with horses, as perhaps people in the Wild West are, they may notice the face of a horse that is being ridden by the web slinger and that that horse needs to be masked so that they don't recognize it. I think that could be a possibility and I enjoy toying with that idea. But yeah, with you saying that in that universe in the Wild West where every horse is recognized, it seems like, oh, that horse, oh yeah, that horse is Melissa, the other one's Natasha, the other one is Bob. (laughs) So it's like the mask is used to protect his identity so people don't know who he is. And then Miles is like, right. Exactly, exactly. It's 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 a good moment. It's like my favorite moment, actually, I think, in that issue. But uh, but since a uh, widow is a is a boy horse, technically, wouldn't his name be Widower? Yeah, that would make sense actually. Yeah, but I think they just wanted to keep uh, keep it spider motif because you don't really see spiders called the Black Widower. 
Maybe not. Maybe we need to deconstruct some ideas around gender there, because um, this seems unfortunate. It's still very cool concept, and I think it's a good idea for a name, even if maybe it needs a bit more workshopping yeah. there then. Yeah, but he's got something called a rider sense. A rider sense. Yeah, no, I like that. I like the rider sense. Did I sound so Western when I said that? Yeah, you went you went for the Western accent. You could hear it. Only just because uh, Ponderosa, he was so stereotypically Western, you could see it in his dialogue. Yeah. I think you could tell that Taron Killam decided to go all in with the Western stuff. He leaned into it. Um, I will say on that note, I do think there is kind of an issue there because they have this, obviously they have this nice moment about like, um, where like Miles is able to talk to, to other characters in Spanish, Spanish speakers in Spanish, that that's really nice. Um, but it is kind of like a white savior moment to have like the web slinger go into that town, fight the scorpion who is very clearly not white. And then when, like, I I thought, like, having Webslinger do that, especially when Miles is there already, like, does does give kind of white savior vibes that were very unfortunate um, that, and that, that, like, didn't need to be there. Yeah, I think uh, it was only just because um, Miles' role there was just to help. Yeah, which isn't a great framing. Like, I, I yeah, I think they, they could have found a way around that, maybe. There was also this little one-off that they never pick up on again later on in the story. They just say say it at the beginning that Webslinger lost his brother Ben. Yeah, I don't know if that's been done in other Webslinger stuff because obviously he's he's floated around in other Spider Verse things. But I think that's uh like the idea of Webslinger having fought in the Civil War or something. And uh, yeah, no, I thought that was a uh, interesting. It, it would make sense where he's a bit more cynical if he's lost somebody as the result of war, you know. Um, but it kind of came together well. Or maybe uh, Ben just got shot in a duel. Yeah, yeah, that would well that that that's possible, like a Hamilton situation. But I think my favorite piece of dialogue from Webslinger was when he was talking about his guns. He says, uh, uh, the one on my left is Kisser, and the one on my right is Biter. Biter scars." Yeah, I like that. I like that he has names for his guns. No, that's a really good touch. Yeah. I, I'm kind of thinking maybe the one's named Kisser because he's going to shoot them right in the kisser. And then uh, the other one's called Biter because the victim is going to bite the bullet. You're practically writing it already. <laughs> it's just like how um in the MCU, Executioner names his guns Des and Troy because when you put them together, they destroy Yes, you know it has that kind of vibe, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I'm probably thinking, did Terran kill him? Just rip that off of Ragnarok? I don't know. I feel like a guy who takes their guns too seriously is a kind of is is a kind of guy. Like that's the type of guy which already exists pre Ragnarok. You know? Yeah, because if you own a lot of guns, that means you're either military or you're in the mob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive roles as well. Yeah, but if you have like a lot, a lot, yeah, you you belong to one of the two. Right, right. Okay, so we got the comeback of Spider-Man Noir here. Yes. Yeah, we got um yeah, so so like obviously he had his neck suddenly snapped. He was one of the shock deaths from Spider-Geddon along with Spider-UK, but he he gets brought back here and he's no longer a journalist either. He's a private eye now. Um, this is kind of like the pilot issue for the Spider-Man Noir run that they did. 
Yeah, Margaret Stoll wrote that mini. It was the same artist, but Margaret Stoll picked them up. Right, I see. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't super sold on this as like a pilot, especially like the, uh, like I haven't really read many Spider-Man noir stories, but there's something about this which just didn't quite hit for me. Um, I did really enjoy the whole swarm transformation, though. That was fun. That was clever. Yeah, another Nazi scientist trying to turn themselves into bees because, uh, well, well, Fritz von Meyer, he was trying to conduct an experiment with irradiated bees, but then the bees ate him, and then somehow uh, his consciousness formed inside of the bees. Yeah, that's um, kind of terrifying to think about, you know. And then Madame Sturm here, she uh, she willingly lets herself get eaten by the bees. Yeah, it's kind of icky. Death by bees. Well, the usual death by bees would be getting fatally stung. Yeah, that would be a really hard dosage to meet. You'd have to get stung by a lot of bees, at least if it was regular bees, right? Yeah, like not like not any one of those killer bees. Yeah, obviously that makes sense. But yeah, her being eaten, like her design, like just super, super creepy. Yeah, no, I thought it was a fantastic design. I, I'm like, like I will say that villain was really fun. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And also, I just like the idea of spider people getting to fight Nazis. Yeah, that's always fun. That's great. <laughs> well, was it explicit that Swarm died because uh because the blimp hydrogen blew her up, or I don't know. Definitely would be a hard one to recover from. I I don't think she would be coming back in the miniseries, but I I feel like it's one of those villains which could kind of just come back because she has that kind of vibe, you know, like like you know. Madam Swarm's going to be back because, you know, she's bees and bees can be anywhere and bees can reform whatever. And, you know, now she's back. But yeah, I think I think is a, a sort of issue for her. That was that was fine. You know? Yeah, but I don't think she's going to turn herself into Dino Swarm. Remember Dino Swarm? Yeah. All right. Um, is there anything else to say about Spider-Man Noir? No, that's pretty much it, because all he did here was just beat up people to get to the idol. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that actually. I, I, I especially like making the Spider-Man who's like willing to fight Nazis also kind of like fashy himself. Doesn't kind of add up. Not a great way of doing it, I don't think. Think um yeah, that's pretty much it for Noir. Um, Annie gets a little bit of play here, although I have to say with her role in the story, she's more like a plot device. Yeah, she does not get much play. Like, if you are an anime Parker fan here, you are not going to get fed. Uh, she does get a nice moment at the end where she's like, I'm the pattern maker and like fixes everything. But for the most part, just completely stuck in the web and don't get much speaking role from her. Yeah, because yeah, as someone who has read the original Dan Slot Renew Your Vows and then the ongoing by Jerry Conway, Stegman, and Jody Hauser... Yeah, this kind of completely butchered Annie for me. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great, and um, you know, like I, I, I guess she just doesn't get enough play, really. Yeah. But like, yeah, because when Annie was eight during the early runs, she like she was more than capable of her getting out of sticky situations. Excuse the pun. Yeah, no, no, and it sort of it makes sense. I just, uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, it's one of those things. I guess it wasn't a panel time. Yeah, because after creating the web, what she just got caught up in recreating it, that she just got trapped in the node. Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, like multiverse phenomena is causing the end of the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
But I do like this idea that the tangle that she was stuck in kind of had its own consciousness that was trying to protect her. I thought that was quite a compelling idea, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think because um, the tangle, it's essentially, it has the mind of an infant. So it thinks that it's protecting anyone really uh, keeping her trapped was getting her killed. Yeah, it does. And and I liked that there was this kind of like very compassionate approach. Like it could have been a like I think I think you can kind of tell that like because they had like a nice reaching out attempt as opposed to just attacking it directly, that that, that was what helped to win help helped them win the day. Um and I really like that angle. I like the message that's being made there, you know. Yeah, but you know, in the end everything worked out. They got Annie, everyone was sent home, the web is cured, all is good in the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Does that wrap up everything uh, that we have to say about Spider-Verse 2019? I think it does. I do like this comic a lot in terms of the at least at least the Jed McKay stuff. Um, and I really like this PDR issue. Um, I think it's, it's a solid read. And I do recommend it if you would like that Spider-Zero context uh, for the current Spider-Gwen Gwenverse miniseries. Yeah, this is a really good story to uh, read if you want to uh, if you want to familiarize yourself with who Spider Zero is. If you're going into Gwenverse blind and you're wondering, huh, who is this character? Like, read Spider Verse. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, do that. So, should I give the uh, spiel for what we're doing next time? Absolutely. Yep. All right. So we'll be reading Spider Gwen Gwenverse number two. Although it seem it might seem like it was a long time since we've done the first one, that's because it was. We're finally getting number two anyway. After like what a delay. Yeah, it's got to be like is the second or third, maybe third. Yeah, it's, it's been a few delays now. Um, and uh, you know, just just glad to have this comic. So, you know, as always, we'll put the links in the description of where to buy and where to read it. And we also got the uh, full reading list for uh, Gwen in the description. And if you got any questions you want to send us our way, you can email us, ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at gsgroupies. And we also have a coffee page if you want to chuck in a few bucks to help support us. That would be so much appreciated. Yes, please. Yes, please. Absolutely. Yep. Anyway, for this week's episode, I've been Abigail. And I've been Pax. Bye, everyone. Bye.